Blair says you can't go past regarding Lancaster Park. West Indies versus New Zealand, 1980. Colin Croft hitting umpire. West Indies yeah. going on strike and Michael Holding <laughs> kicking stumps with the longest run-up. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Now, uh, Rina says, yay, Finally, someone talking about eating with hands in an exotic way. The Indonesian are eating with hands when we eat our traditional foods. You can come to my house if you wish, Wallace, and I will show you. Um, we were talking about, if you, if you missed it, go back and listen. It's in the pre-panel, but uh, uh, Ed Amon's I had been thinking was about how he eats with his hands. Uh, and, and actually, just try Anybody try it. Yeah, anybody anybody can try it. You know, when you order or make make some uh, rice and curry at home, put it uh, put the rice on the plate, have the curry on top, and then use your four fingers, bring them in, use the thumb to collect the food together, and make it a tiny ball and put it in your mouth. It's just heaven. Because there are other questions here. Please ask Ed, which is the correct hand to eat with, the left or the right? It is the hand that you play sport with. So I guess it's the right hand <laughs> or the left hand. Well, wh- 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 whichever side you uh, are, uh, you know, inclined to use your hand. So just, um, but I feel, I, I've seen people, it's weird. This, I've seen people use fork with their wrong hand, which is yeah, weird. So just use your hand. Johan here, eating food with your hands and also asking for a second helping the scene is respecting and appreciating the food. It's a huge positive uh, cult and a huge positive in Southeast Asian culture. Another one here, um, just referring to the panellists who said it was great to eat Mia with his hands. This is just so wonderful, and I do it as well. But I lost all respect from when he said he watched Celebrity Treasure Island. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw it for a few minutes, and I didn't see a single celebrity. So you can't win it all, Ed, I'm sorry. (laughs) One day I'll be on it. Now, should... The law include a right to disconnect. How much do email notifications and work calls take away from your downtime? After work, after hours, work communication has been shown to create high stress levels, and researchers have even found it to be a health hazard. But is there any right for employees to demand flexibility, employers rather, in a 24-7 world? After all, it's not the 80s. Do we need flexibility? With us is Amanda Riley, Senior Lecturer in Commercial Law at Victoria University of Wellington, who wrote about this interesting subject in the conversation recently. Amanda, kia ora. Uh, you put this in context by talking at the start about the eight-hour workday, which is what? From here. Um, well, New Zealand, you know, we like to always claim to be first to introduce things. So, yes, we, we do lay claim to being one of the First Nations to introduce the um, idea of the eight-hour working day with Samuel Parnell, um demanded it and it sort of picked up traction after that and um, it's not actually in law that we do have an eight-hour working no. day interestingly but we have Labor Day which celebrates the, the struggle for it. What's the argument to be made because this is actually quite a common topic it's brought up uh, in colleagues and friends that I talk with to what extent does and should a, an employer a boss even uh, be able to call you at say 745 
can you take a quick call? <laughs> no, it'll have to wait till one minute past nine. What's your thoughts, Amanda? Well, it's very difficult to um, kind of make a universal yeah. proclamation about that because, I mean, there would be some sort of sectors where that would be necessary, really. I mean, and, and um, you can't, I mean, and there's things like if you're collaborating with people overseas or you're servicing an international market with a time difference and so on, you can't universally say no calls after such and such a time. Um, so the right to disconnect as it's sort of um, coming online in other countries, it's more about establishing a basis for a conversation and then sort of tweaking it within what's necessary within that particular context. What do you reckon, Heather? Yeah, it's real. It's an interesting subject, and I think that um, you know employers do have to recognise the uh, you know the boundary of of out of work time. Um, but by the same token, I think sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We constantly have cell phones in our hands, and so we see the text or we see the email or we hear the call. Whereas if we'd put it aside, you know, we wouldn't know that that had happened, and so we wouldn't have been contactable. And I worry that if we're too rigid, you know, I don't think a law is the answer to this. I think there's other mechanisms. Um, but I worry if we're too rigid that we actually encourage an attendance culture at work rather than a performance one. And so the flexibility needs to go both ways. And, you know, I just I often go back to that really good work that Andrew Barnes has done around the four-day working week, which is about encouraging people to be really productive at work and, you know, being more productive in a shorter period of time and leaving us with more time for recreation and the things that we want to do outside work. Okay, so too prescript- it could be too prescriptive. Uh, Amanda, what do other countries do? Have other countries tried to enact some sort of legislation around this? Oh, yes, well, very much so. But um, when you actually drill into the specifics of the legislation, it tends to be quite non-prescriptive in a way because so France are sort of known as the leaders. But when you look at what they've actually done, it's the larger workplaces and it's saying that there needs to be a policy or some consultation. Um, so it's kind of saying, well, it needs to be talked about, but it's not saying everybody's phones go off at 5pm. Um, and I would agree with um, Heather's comment that sometimes we are our own worst enemies. I, I know myself, I, I'm terrible at sending emails at midnight because mm. I sort of suddenly have an idea. So <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily the employer that's always making the demands. Sometimes we ourselves do need to take responsibility. All right. Ed. Ed um Amanda, I, um, I agree with Heather uh, on this, that uh, we can't be rigid and there can't be a specific law of a five o'clock uh, uh, shutdown yeah. or a disconnect. Um, although I've noticed working in the corporate environment before, it always works really, really well um, when you have a good relationship with your boss mm-hmm. or the boss yeah. above the boss. So then you have a understanding on which are the days or which are the times or which times in a project where you might be available in the evenings to take a call. And sometimes it is actually good that you are, I I used to feel sometimes that if I don't check it, I would be more anxious if I don't check my email rather than if I'm in between a project which is uh, about to happen. You want to check it now. I want to check it now. (laughs) Not not nine o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So it's, it's good to have that discussion with your boss if they are nice and um, set those boundaries um, right from the start rather than leaving it for later. Can I just yeah, bring it's this about up? mutual respect, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda, um, 
law is coming, though, and it's getting tougher. Portugal employers must not contact employees outside working hours except in emergencies. Yes, well, that, that's right. They, they are, um, that's um, one of the most recent developments. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out there. Oh, that's going to be quite interesting. I'm uh, well, interested to hear what our listeners think about. Do you mind your uh, boss uh, texting or asking if you can take a call at 12 minutes past eight tonight? Um, thank you, Amanda. That's Amanda Riley, their senior lecturer in commercial law at Victoria University of Wellington. Um, one part of me, is, Heather Roy, says, look, it's the, it's the modern world. I mean, you've got a yeah. phone. What harm is it if your boss says to you at nine o'clock tonight, hey, can you take a quick call? Because as Ed mm. says, it's off your mind. What's the problem? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you just have have some boundaries, and if you don't mind that, that's fine, as long as there's a bit of a quid pro quo and, and you know, there's a bit of flexibility during the normal workday as well. Mm. And, um, and sometimes the bosses need to be... Uh, need, need to be cognizant of the fact that if something comes to their mind as an idea, it's not an emergency, and that they send out an email saying that, oh, they'll check it in the morning, you yeah. should know that yeah. your uh, employee will check it right away if it's coming from your boss or a head of a department or something. So just uh, relax and wait and send okay. your idea in the morning. Mm. Right. Uh, the panel, we have Ed Amon and Heather Roy. Grant says, a Lancaster Park memory. Nathan Astle scoring a record uh, 222. Yeah, you got it off 153 <laughs> at Lancaster Park in the 90s. Good days. You know all about that, Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 14 away from five, uh, the panel. Well, we know that refereeing has been very much an issue this Rugby World Cup. England's Rugby World Cup referee Ben O'Keefe accused of winning South Africa the game. Just one example. But let's face it, it'll always be an issue. It's a huge skill set, refereeing and coaching. Well, a Dunedin-based programme has teamed up with New Zealand Rugby to train and accredit Young referees, the learning place is in 400 secondary schools in the country, has already trained 500 students in the last two years in refereeing and coaching. With us is Peter van der Klunder, director of uh, the learning place. Peter, kia ora. Kia ora, Wally. Kia ora, Kotu Panel. How are you? Great to have you here, Peter. My first thought is refereeing. Who would do it? What a tough gig. <laughs> Yeah, New Zealand Rugby, uh, we approached them about uh, three years ago and uh, we work in secondary schools around New Zealand delivering vocational um, courses, um, providing skills for students entering uh, employment and skills for life. So they get credits towards the NCEA. One of the areas that we noticed were missing out were students that are absolutely passionate about the sports that they play, Mm. in particular rugby. And so we approached um, Rugby New Zealand with this fantastic idea which was to deliver coaching and refereeing courses into secondary schools for students that were playing rugby. And that way they could gain credits towards the NCA. But also for New Zealand rugby, they were able to replenish and, and seed their next generation of referees and coaches. 
What a great initiative, Heather Roy. Something yeah. that uh, you don't often hear of, you know, sort of, because it is a real skill and it's sought after. Uh, and um, here we have uh, grassroots um, referees coming up through this initiative, Heather. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see it extended to to other codes too. I I've refereed. I used to be a, a netball referee. I sort of got to provincial level, and um, it made my my game much better. If you know the rules, you play much better mm. usually. Um, and it's actually, I actually found it very rewarding. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But I think that it's great to be introducing it at school level. And look, once charter schools are back, I think good ideas like this will really flourish. Imagine having a sports high school. Don't bring where, your act policies into no, this rugby conversation, Heather Roy. Don't bring your act policies. Imagine yeah. a sports high school that engaged with students who were completely disengaged at the moment so they could yeah. they would have they would have learning in the morning traditional learning in the morning and the afternoon could be devoted to sports they could play they could learn to uh, be referees um, and those kids would actually turn up because they would enjoy what they're doing well let's see what peter thinks of that yeah, look, Heather, you've actually got a really good point there. And I think that the angle that we've taken at the learning place is that the courses that we deliver are an alternative way of achieving NCEA. So yeah. the courses that we offer are things like leadership, communication, confidence, resilience courses. They have unit standards and credits attached to them. So students that maybe aren't inclined academically or yeah. their schooling isn't okay. pointing in the direction of yeah. the universities, they can gain credits. That's right. It shouldn't be one, shouldn't yeah. be one size it. fits all. Mm. No, yeah. fair enough. No, Ed. It's, Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's just beyond the game as well. Um, how do you think how detailed is the teaching or, or learning in terms of handling the outside world when you're refereeing? Because you're, you're the neutral person on yeah. the ground and one, per, one yeah. side is always against you Huge for some pressure. reason. Mm. And then their parents, if you're a kid. And then, so yeah. uh, is, does that uh, training involve, um, uh, uh, you know, training with bully, anti-bullying stuff, uh, etc.? So the, um, the development of the course has pointed more and more towards engagement with our provincial unions and clubs. And so these students are going from the courses, from their, um, I, I suppose you could call it their careers of rugby at schools, going into the clubs and being supported by the clubs as well. So they transition out of the secondary schools, and at the same time they're refereeing secondary school games, they're coaching secondary school teams. They're going from that environment into the club environment. So there's a good level of support that we're starting to see occur. Um, but yeah, look, I totally agree. I mean, you know, often any sport at all that mm. like parents on the sideline that are all familiar with, and we yeah. all don't like, mm. <laughs> um, there's, there's certainly, I think, more professionalism um, from the referees as well. Means that a lot of those decisions aren't so arbitrary. This is a great initiative, Peter. Just remind me, this is going to be rolled out uh, across the country? Yep, so already um, this year we have delivered to, uh, our first year was our pilot year last year, we delivered about 150 to 150 students, uh, we delivered to over 250 this year, and next year the demand from schools is just increasing dramatically. So um, as, Heather, as you said, yeah, look, cricket, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, yeah. Um, netball. Definitely netball. Yeah. There's yeah. so Hockey. many um, yeah. young women that are passionate about their netball in secondary yeah. schools, why not give them an opportunity to be able to credentialise their existing knowledge, oh, build on fantastic. their knowledge? 
Yeah, Wonderful story, Peter. Kia ora. And uh, coming out of Dunedin, uh, there, that's uh, Peter Van der Klunder, the director of, of The Learning Place. Um, now, can I just say, just a, just a sort of um, public service announcement here. Now, um, you might have been heard, you might have been hearing some clinking. Can you just raise your glass and clink it at Ed? I just want to say to people, including my boss, that I'm not having a whiskey. <laughs> I'm not having a quiet afternoon uh, whiskey on the rocks. I'm just having an um, ice water. Uh, Edamon has, an, has water and ice, and that's all it is. We have an ice machine in the kitchen. All right? We've got that in the Wellington studio. Yeah. <laughs> I brought my own all water right. bottle. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see if we can get one for you, Heather. But Thank I'm just, you. just uh, because people are saying, what's that clinking? <laughs> All right, seven away from five uh, on, the have panel. Fun on the panel. Fun on the panel. And finally, this story has had quite a bit of traction around social media. It is such a wonderful story, and um, it's wonderful uh, that it has a place on the panel this afternoon. Napier Girls High School has introduced a lover lover to their school uniform. It took about three years to develop the idea. A lover lover is, I guess you could say, a wraparound skirt of sorts, common uh, across the Pacific and is more and more becoming part of school uniforms across Aotearoa. To tell us more is Principal Dawn Aykroyd. Dawn, kia ora. You are the Wallace. Well, uh, <laughs> one person mentioned it was on the Herald, and what happened? Uh, an unusual thing happened. Uniformly positive messages oh, <laughs> about, <laughs> about this. Where yeah. did this idea come from? Oh, look, it came from our Pacifica students. Um, we have a Pacifica prefect as part of our prefect team. And in 2021, they came to the senior leadership and said, look, we're really keen to have as a uniform item a uh, lover lover. It's culturally significant for us. And they noticed that other schools were incorporating that into the uniform. And I have to say, Wallace, I mean, we didn't bat an eyelid. We just thought it was a great idea. Uh, We took the initiative to our board who said, yep, go for it. And then it was a period of um, collaboration with our students and with their families about design and what they wanted. Yeah, very cool. And can I just say they look, uh, they just look really, really cool as well. Pretty smart, very cool, Ed. Thank you. Yes, they're very proud to wear them. And even one student said, "Oh, Miss, you know, it actually makes us girls feel a lot more confident." And isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That was my question. I mean, um, have you? Changed? Have you seen a change in difference? Uh, you know, uh, in mood of yes. people wearing the. You know, before they were wearing something else. Now they are wearing something significant yes. to them. And how has that changed in terms of studies and interactions within the school? Oh, look, we have, and I mean, it's only just been introduced in the last week or so. But we're at that time of the year we were starting to have some special assemblies and to acknowledge achievements. And just the other day we had our honours and um, badges awards. And, you know, the students came came across the stage wearing their lover lover. Their heads were held high and they felt confident and proud. Um, so it's just fantastic. And we know that um, if they have a good sense of um, respect for their culture and where they're from and they share that with the rest of the school, they will feel connected to school. They will feel good within themselves. And therefore, you know, they'll be engaged and they will achieve. And um, it's just fantastic. And there was a lovely quote in the um, Ministry of Education Action Plan for Pacifica Education, which came out in 2020. 
and it's a child will feel safe if they are wrapped in their culture. Oh, Kira, Dawn, uh, yeah, know, it's wonderful. That is, yeah, I want to so bring true. I want to bring Heather yes. Roy in too. Yeah, that's yes. it's great to hear, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful when um, you see students who are just wearing their uniform with pride yes. and seeing that strong connection that they feel with their school because it's um, yes. because you've made the right decision. So, congratulations, Dawn, for thank taking you. that initiative and doing the right thing for your student population. Oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah, and, and we very much. Is it, open, Sorry, is it open to all? I mean, I'm, uh, I can recall my dad he used to go around the uh, house wearing a Sulu. Um, would it be open to yes. uh, everybody? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So um, our Pacific population in our school is about 4%. Um, we're a school just under 1,000, and already we've sold 14, and that's in two weeks. So it is. So no, it's just fantastic. And one of our core school values is uh, manaakitanga, which is all about respect. And we talk about respect for yourself, where you're from, respect for others, and respect for other cultures. So it just underpins um, one of our core school values. Just love it. And on that note, I think Dawn will leave it there. Uh, really, really great. Napier Girls High School introducing great, love, it? love. It's, it's great it's, that the girls yeah. have had had the initiative to to raise it themselves. And uh, you know, you'd like to think boys sort of struggle a bit more. We'd like to think that Pacifica boys might um, have the opportunity to wear love, love or Sulu um, from their country at their schools too. Well, that's what I'll think mm-hmm. as well. Someone says Wesley College been doing it for years. Yeah, so that's great. wonderful stuff on the uh, on the panel that uh, taught us also that uh, if you feel comfortable, Ed, you can eat with your hands when you're going up for rice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, you have your ice and also have a, and and if you have a spicy dal on, on some rice, so some icy uh, cold water will help you uh, cater to so that. Ed, so, Ed, can I just ask one question? Sometimes you see people eating with more of a pincer grip. No, no, is no, that no, wrong? No, 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 no. You're not grabbing a ball. It's not a ball to. That's that's ridiculous. Okay, I'll you, keep you that mind. use your ha- <laughs> you, use your fingers, not the palm. Oh, <laughs> wonderful stuff. Ed, I'm on here. The right cure to you both. Uh, I'm Wallace Chapman. See you for tomorrow's panel. Thank you to Sally, my producer, Lisa Owen, and Checkpoint next. Bye.